From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, it's great to be back with you. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's always great to be back. And this one, I feel like I'm going to kick up my heels and listen to the experts, uh, which is great. Well, I think that you, you have a lot to say, and uh, I appreciate that. And we're, we're, we welcome back um, uh, our friend and my uh, partner at Estate of Control, uh, Uncle Richie, Rich Fergosa. How are you today, Rich? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me back. I know the uh, prior episode you you had me on was a little self-serving. It was basically an Uncle Richie fireside chat. So thank you for the opportunity for my long-winded stories to work their way through. But I promise this time I, I will be concise. Well, I, I think you provided us a lot of great value and always excited and interested to hear all of those stories. And we'll probably take you up on that again in the future. And uh, so if you haven't heard episode 94, please check back on that. We talked a little bit about uh, the 100th episode of A State of Control. And we also talked about Rich's journey over the past uh, 30 years or so. Um, so uh, it's very interesting and a good listen for everybody. So please, please check that out and let us know what you think. Um, today, we're going to actually um, take Rich up on what he talked about a little bit in the last episode in the fact that he's had experience on both sides of the fence, if you will. Um, you know, we talk a lot in, in this uh, show and, and also on a state of control about um, commercial programming. It seems to be where a lot of programmers are, have been focused. But, but if, um, if we rewind back, um, I think a lot of uh, AV control started in in high end residential systems, so we want to give that some airtime. And um, James and I have been holding this topic for quite some time until we found the right guest to to share with us uh, some insight and and wisdom and and also banter back and forth because my uh, experience is ninety or more percent on the commercial side, um, and uh, and James, I think you're you're heavily weighted on the commercial side as well. Uh, correct. So um, let, let's just start, uh, Rich, if you will, kind of walk us through what um, what what, what are, would you say are the, the real main differences? Because if you think about it, we're we're still writing code and we're still in the same languages and with a lot of the same equipment, but there are some pieces that are more uh, unique or special to residential versus commercial. And the users, they're still the same people, but they're just in different environments. So but how, how do you go about breaking down the real differences between commercial and residential systems when it comes to AV programming? You know, the biggest part is, um, I think as a programmer, as an integrator, is your empathy level as weird as it sounds. Um, it, it's the non-technical side of things, but it's the ability to recognize that how somebody reacts in their workplace is very, very different than how they react in their home. Um, the workplace is where they go. The workplace is part of their job. It's, it's, it's what they do um, you know, to earn a living. And, and obviously they take professional pride and all of these things. And there's, there's importance to be able to work efficiently and to have the tools available to you. Residential is an extension of who you are. It's your style. It's your personality. It's, it's your safe haven. And when you're dealing in somebody's home, you're dealing with far more personal items, concerns. Um, I always tell 
programmers or integrators that when you're dealing in residential and, and we specialize in bespoke. I, I mean, we, we, we talk about that all the time. Um, never underestimate what somebody will fixate on in residential. It may seem like the most minor thing to you, but to that person, it's, it's paramount. Um, residential as well, because you're dealing with um, somebody's environment, I, you know, their, their haven, their nest, their, their place of protection. You're also got a couple of different players who you're dealing with as well. Sometimes in a lot of cases, you're going to be dealing with the end user um, and they'll be able to communicate to you, but they may not be the most tech savvy because it's primarily for entertainment. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, you know, again, setting up a meeting, it, it was changed now, but prior in your residence, it wasn't, okay, I need to worry about the meeting and, and getting this set up and making sure that the codec and I can go ahead and, you know, the DSL line correct and the ISDN line correct so that we can phone into the other office. This is an entertainment side. It's a, a creature comfort. Um, you know, I mean, you do have some life safe, safety, but those are typically dedicated systems, but it's, it's, you know, we've always called it that overlay control system, right? We were taking all of the disparate things that somebody does in their home and we're flattening, um, we're, we're, we're flattening all the friction points and making it as simple. We used to call it, um, you know, I used to teach classes on it. We'd call it the five basic, the five principles of automation, right? Which was people have very specific needs in their home. They're actually simple needs, right? They, they wanted it warmer. They wanted it cooler. They wanted it brighter. They wanted it dimmer, louder, softer, on, off, right? And that relates as well to commercial, but in a residence, those are kind of the key tenants to work with, which was you have to hit those first. It's really easy to get caught up in all of the crazy stuff and the wizardry and the, the doodads and all those things, but you have to hit those key tenants first. And on top of it, you may have somebody who stylistically has very specific requirements, especially in large residences. You may have an interior designer. You may have a lighting designer. Um, you know, you, you've got other people you're playing with on the team that's a little bit different than you do in a commercial environment. A commercial environment, you've got facilities. Um, you maybe have C-level. You maybe have a project manager who's tasked with it. You know, you have to navigate. Um, so there's commonalities in terms of you have to be able to navigate the people and to be able to get to the root requirements. In residential, you have to focus on comfort and uh, confidence. And in commercial, I've always felt it's being uh, about efficiency and, and being effective and reliable. All of them, reliability is key across the board. One, when you focus on commercial, is you need to be able to get to do what you want to do quickly, easily, repeatedly. Home, you want the experience you you know again it's it's uh you know it's the luxury car experience it's being able to put on a piaget watch it's that feel and you know when you're dealing it with bespoke you are dealing with what we've always called that white glove service right it 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 hopefully is predictive to your needs as opposed to reactive to your needs all basic tenants across whether you're doing educational commercial or residential but the people side of it, it's it, like I said, it's it's that empathy. You have to be willing to have the personality <laughs> to know that, uh, you know, you have to relate to people. It's like, how, how would I feel in my home? What if I had it done? If I've had my windows done or had somebody doing my plumbing? How do I feel when somebody's invading my house? Because that's what it feels like for a lot of people. When they've got all of these strangers in their house, there's some tension that occurs. And how do I get through that tension part? Um and and we've been fortunate that you know we enjoy you know playing in all of those, uh, but it is 
it's definitely more an emotional uh, interaction than it is a technical interaction. So, Rich, are you seeing, um, because you have experience on both ends, commercial and residential, are you seeing more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like, inter, uh, like crossover between equipment, like residential equipment making its way into commercial and vice versa? Yeah. And, and really, what was the tip of the spear? And we, we've, we've talked about this for a decade, and I went over and over. It was mobile. Mobile is driving everything. Um, you know, and, and once you the, the pandemic threw it, it threw another wrench, which was all of a sudden, you know, we, we used to be, you know, BYOD. Now it's, you know, BYOPD, your personal device, right? Um, and so because the smartphone has gotten to the sophisticated level that it has, um, instead of dealing with the room and the stuff that goes on in with the room, um, you know, this is where those instant one of those instances where residential pushed its way into commercial. Um, you know, there were instances in residential, you know, 20 years ago where we were using commercial devices because they were more reliable. They were more robust. They had more feature sets. And so we would take commercial products and bring them into resi because they were the ones that could get the job done. And that provided, you know, the, the necessary uh, feature set. We flipped. Um, and what's happened now is because people have gotten so used to the personal device, that is the leading point of the can we dot, dot, dot conversation that occurs in a huddle space, an executive boardroom, a classroom, um, you know, I mean, even, even professors who always wind up being a source of frustration with, with you know, in the classroom, even they're the ones that are saying, hey, well, can I use my device XYZ? you know, we're, we're seeing that mobile and the personal device is what's driving this as opposed to, oh, this is something that I have in my house. Um, can I put it here in the boardroom? It, it's transcended that. It's, this is my life that I carry in my pocket. How can I use this to bridge the gap between the two? And that's been the challenge for us. I mean, I absolutely, that's been the challenge for us. Um, you know, one of the things that we're focusing on a whole lot more just because of the partners that we have and we're seeing the 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 vertical matures the voice control side of things um and and pairing that with the personal device because you know over the past two years you know we we talked about no touch control you know that, that there've been classes you go to masters you go to you know you to go to, to any uix symposium and everybody talks about frictionless design or one touch design we're getting close. We're, you know, the tools are there. We were forced to accelerate is what's happened. Um, but but now we're having to figure out new ways to say, okay, you know, I, I used to get ribbed at and by manufacturers when when the first iPads came out. And I'm like, these are going to show up in every boardroom and meeting room. And I would get from manufacturers, that'll never happen. Everybody wants a dedicated dot, dot, dot. I'm like, this thing has no cords. You can't tell me that this isn't going to be where we wind up. Lo and behold, 12 years later, <laughs> you know, as much as we gripe about it, you know, that's inevitable. We're seeing that iteration with, with the handheld device, with the personal device. And so, uh, like I said, I, I think that that is really 
where the focus needs to be is that you need to understand that the, the personal device as a touchstone is not going away in a business, educational, or residential environment. You got to focus on that experience. Everything else comes from it. That's, that's a really insightful point. I, I, I wanted to ask James, you know, what, what, what have you seen in, in your arena? Because not only are you dealing with, um, I guess, you know, the, the education um, environment of needing to have a, a stable, reliable system, just as Rich said, but also you have professors to deal with, you have students to deal with. And I, I would imagine that, 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 that there's a little bit of a blend there as well. There is. And the thing I keep saying is in my vertical, the higher ed vertical, every year we're guaranteed new clients. Every year, new uh, students are coming into our environment. Um, so they're bringing new ideas, they're bringing new ways of doing things with them as they're coming in. And I don't know how many times I've been, I've been in higher ed for 14 years, been doing the AV side of higher ed, probably six, seven years now. Um, so, but I always hear no matter what year it was, was I can do this at home. Why can't I do it here? And I think Richie hit it really well that it, it's not bring your own device because there are schools out there, you know, they'll give, their faculty members laptop and now yes it's bring your own device but really it's that to bring your own school device but bring your own personal device if people like richie was saying i have this on my my phone can i get it displayed like how can i get this in the system i don't want to carry my bulky laptop with me i don't want to carry an ipad with me anymore because they're bigger yes ipads are light and a lot of people do have them but they People just want to be on their phone. They want that quick connection and all that stuff. So we are seeing more requests for that. The problem is I'm running into security and that's the biggest part. And that what people don't really wrap their head around is they go at home and they're like, yeah, I can airplay my phone to my TV or my Sonos or whatever gadget put here, but they don't have to worry about corporate information getting out there. They don't have to worry about firewall rules. They don't have to worry about uh, ACLs and all the other technical jargon and technical security measures that we in higher ed or corporate are jumping for hoops to make it so you can do what you need to do without being vulnerable to the outside. That's really interesting because I, I, um, I also think that from what I've heard in, in the residential side is that the, the network has become a really big thing. So there, there is that crossover there as well. And, and a, a lot of, uh, a lot of residential systems really mean that you have to also be almost the IT manager at somebody's home versus, you know, AV and, is uh, IT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and it is, it's AV over IP. I mean, we're, especially in the past two years, uh, you know, I mean, if I had told, if I had said five years ago in Resi, you better know about IGMP, you better know about multicast, you better know about, you know, uh, all of these things to work, how, how you're going to be able to get that data back and forth. It's it's not going away. It's, it's the, the, the day of the HDMI cable or the component cable or the copper to something. 
you know, again, I, I'm overjoyed because, you know, we're finally legitimately getting Dante in the residential arena. Um, but it brings a whole new suite of problems with it. Um, and we have a whole lot of residential integrators like, well, I just hooked up the network or I, you know, I mean, I went to Target and I got this. I'm like, why isn't it working? You know, I, I it, it's, it, you know, it is AV over IP, you know, and the personal device, uh, you know, are revolutionizing things. And it's one of those ones where it's just like, you got to stay up with it, you know, as much as you don't want to. And security is a huge thing. Absolutely. I mean, James is spot on on that. And, you know, we've had other shows about it before, but it ain't going away. And I always laugh with clients and they're like, well, I want this. I'm like, it's, it's security is secure for a reason. It's not easy because it's meant to be secure. So we've yeah. got to go ahead and find how to bridge that gap. It's like, you don't want your credit card information stolen. You don't want your personal information stolen. Okay. Where's your threshold? So, so I, when I get on to security, uh, I go with the front door of a house because a lot of the people are actually understanding that thing is, you know, front door of your house, you want to be able to walk in and out of your house freely. So you don't put a front door, meaning that anyone can walk in and out of your house freely. So now you put a door there. It's a little cumbersome. You know, you got to open the door, but you can go in and out. Then there's those people who, you know, Check the doorknob. Is it unlocked? So now you take it a step farther. You lock the door. Now you got to get your keys out to go into your own house. And then it's like, okay, there's people who could pick locks. So now you throw alarm system in. So now you got to unlock the door and arm it. It's just, that's what security is. It's inconvenient by nature. That's the design of it. I mean, yes, we all want to have the freedom to do what we want to do, but we got to be inconvenient so other people can't do that. I know that we're going to wrap this one up, but I just want to ask Rich one quick question in terms of somebody who's looking at making uh, going into one area versus another from a programmer perspective. What are what are a couple of piece, points of advice you would give give them in terms of uh, making a choice of which area would be a better fit for them? Well, I mean, the good news that I always tell programmers is you got to go someplace you got to live. You got a house. So you're going to have an apartment or a house or something. So even if you're in commercial, get the stuff for your house because you're only going to build your experience level because a lot of the basic concepts that you're going to reach in one, you're going to reach in the other. Even if it's just the basic principles of user interface design, say you're just quote unquote the programmer, right? And you're not the touch panel guy. Well, you're not the touch panel guy because you haven't done any touch panels. So why don't you learn to do touch panels? You know, you're not, you know, maybe you want to be the the OS guy or the Android guy. Well, great. You've got these devices. You're going to learn. You're going to make ugly stuff. Hey, I absolutely am not proud of the fact, but I will admit that I did use Comic Sans in the 90s as a font for touch panels. And we thought it was the coolest thing ever. We also used animations, so you know. also used animations and all kinds of crazy stuff and sliding panels and fly-ins and verticals. I mean, but you got to be willing to make those mistakes. And and the best place to do it, and we call it dog fooding, and it's it's just an old you know rubber ducking and dog fooding. As a programmer, if this is what you want to do, there's cool stuff. There 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 there's just because most of the time you're doing commercial doesn't mean that you're always going to do commercial. It doesn't mean that a new opportunity is not going to open up for you, um, but you have to be prepared for the opportunity. You can't react 
to the opportunity. Uh, you know, I'm a martial artist, and and one of the things that we always talk about is that um, you have to you have to get ready to be ready, and and a big part of that is you're constantly training, and you have to train in order to be able to train, <laughs> right? You have to build your thresholds. You have to build what your base is. And as you are able to take different approaches, you become more valuable and you'll get better at what you do. But again, big part of it is, you know, and even it doesn't have to be the newest stuff. Find stuff on the secondary market or talk to your employer. If something gets phased out, you know, and it's a prior generation, the stuff still works. I mean, I have jobs, working jobs that are still running on processors from 20 years ago because they still do the job, right? Mm -hmm. The basic premises on, off, warmer, cooler, brighter, dimmer, louder, softer, right? Get on those, learn how you think, learn how other think, how others think, bring guests over, see how they react, right? Those are the things that make you a better programmer along with your technical chops because we've always talked about it. It's not what it does. It's how you get to what it does. I think that's a great piece of advice and a good place for us to stop. I always say just to, to add on to that, that you're always comfortable with the one that you do the most and whichever one that you don't do, you, you always think is the harder one. So I've had that conversation with several people. And, and uh, so um, Rich, thanks again for being with us. If you haven't caught the previous episode, please uh take a look at that and listen, then you can get Rich's background. You can learn a little bit about um, the journey that he's been on and also uh, about how we came to episode 100 of A State of Control. Uh, Rich, how can people get in touch with you, learn what you're up to and continue the conversation? Oh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Um, if you want to try to find me, uh, you can type my name into the interwebs. You can find me on the socials. Most of the socials you'll find me under at rfragosa. Uh, Twitter and the others. Uh, if you want to find out about the company, fergosadesign.com. <laughs> Excuse me. And then hopefully you might catch a show or two of ours with my partner here, Steve, uh, over at avnation.tv. I hope you come watch a couple episodes of State of Control. And like I said, we, 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 as we are on the race to 200, you know, 100's in our mirror, but, you know, we, we took a moment, appreciated it. And now, you know, uh, full speed ahead. And if you happen to be at a trade show, please stop Rich. He's uh, a roving reporter a lot of times for AB Nation and doing a great job at that. So uh, it's always great to see fans that way. Absolutely. And uh, James, how can people get in touch with you, learn what you're up to? And also if you have any uh, takeaways that you wanted to share from this one. Oh, no, it's, I think uh, Richie shared great knowledge. Uh, thank you again, uh, Richie. And I'd love to get you on here again and listen to some of these fireside chats you keep talking about because you got so loads of knowledge to share. Uh, but yeah, anyone, you can get me on Twitter, AB underscore James King. Uh, Google me, you'll find me, Hepma, higheredab.com, any of those uh, areas, I'm out there. Um, and But again, get your voice out there. And if you want to be a guest, hit I up. Absolutely. And uh, also take a listen to some of the past episodes of A State of Control because you'll hear a familiar voice uh, of James there. So um, 
for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. You can reach my, my company at controlconcepts.net and uh, also some of the writing I do on various publications, AV Network and Commercial Integrator and so forth, as well as AV Nation. And I'd love to be in touch and contact, uh, be in contact with more of our listeners and uh, please reach out to us. It's always great to hear from you and let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of. And uh, you can reach can watch our shows on uh, YouTube and you can listen to us on both Apple and Google podcasts. And we would always welcome a comment, a rating or review. So please give us the privilege of that as well. And thank you for listening and watching. And this has been Ask the Programmer.